love to see that this is something that people now want to do, that there are students who are excited to become animal rights attorneys. I mean, we need them. We don't need any more like entertainment attorneys and corporate attorneys. We need attorneys speaking up for animals and fighting for them. My guest today is animal rights activist Shannon Key. Despite her soft-spoken approach, Shannon is a force to be reckoned with. As one of the first animal rights attorneys ever, and one of the first to create and teach animal rights law, Shannon has been hugely instrumental in getting universities and law schools to offer courses and degrees in animal rights law. And further working in her capacity as an attorney, she's been instrumental in the passage of multiple laws designed to protect those who cannot advocate for themselves, including the landmark legislation passed by Congress last year that eliminated a federal mandate for animal testing on new drugs for FDA approval. And that had been in place since 1938. But there is still a long way to go. Shannon is also a filmmaker, having produced three powerful animal rights documentaries, and she is president and the founder of Beagle Freedom Project, whose crystal clear mission is to educate, legislate, and liberate. And that they do. If Beagle Freedom Project sounds familiar to you, you may have seen the media coverage when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle recently adopted a 10-year-old mother beagle who'd endured animal testing for years. Now, I think you'll learn a great deal about how to make systemic change in this episode. And I think you'll also just really enjoy getting to know my guest, Shannon Key. Hello, Shannon. Hi. Hi. Welcome to How We Change the World podcast. I'm really happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been hearing about uh, the Beagle Freedom Project for many, many years. I haven't known that much about it. So I'm eager to learn about it, eager to learn about your work in animal, you know, reducing, eliminating animal testing. And um, uh, we will definitely get into that um, as a sort of the focus of the show. Uh, I think a lot of people are a little bit naive about animal testing, whether we need it, if it's still going on and all those things. So um, it's definitely, I think, something that we all need to be further educated on. So I definitely will look to you for some of that education. Um, but I mean, the scope of your work is is actually substantial and far reaching. So it's not only about animal preventing animal testing, but, um, you know, I, I will, we'll talk about all the things you do, but it does seem that uh, as a person who their entire life is engaged in animal welfare. Are you, are you following your passion? It seems to me like you are the epitome <laughs> of a person who is doing that. Would you describe it that way? Yeah, definitely. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I am following my passion. My, it's really a dream come true is my life. Um, hmm. I, I learned about animal suffering and everything um, when I was really in college and decided what I wanted to do with my life and just went after it. Really? And, really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So as a child, was that, were you very 
uh, close with animals? Was that something that was always of interest to you? Or did you not until college come to that? Always. I always loved animals. I always wanted to care for them. I was at animals growing up. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to, let's say, do in life. You know, like right. what my career would be, let's say. Like, mm -hmm. I was going to make money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I, I had a passion for them. And um, when I was in college, I learned that animals were considered chattel in the law. Chattel means property. And mm -hmm. that really disturbed me. And when I learned that, I decided that that was going to be my life's mission, that I was going to change that law and oh. uh, go to law school and be an animal rights lawyer. I just made it up in my head that uh, I was going to make up this arena of law called animal rights and change it. And Oh, that's really... <laughs> so there were no, there was no obviously a law class or a focus on animal rights, but now you're a lawyer who teaches courses in animal rights, correct? Right. Yeah. So I'm um, so, so you were never able to take a course yourself. You had to make it up. Right. Yeah. At okay. the time, um, there, there were, there was uh, a couple of classes. There was one at UCLA and I believe Lewis and Clark hmm. called animal law. Um, very few and far between. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you had to really look at laws that dated back to like the 1800s when, you know, people would hitch their cow to, you know, a, oh. a post, you know, and analogize cases like that. Um, but this was an animal rights, just kind of animal law in general. Um, mm -hmm. so really that's something that I'm kind of proud to say that I started and, um, My happy goodness. to teach. You should be proud. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. So what types of things do you do you teach in courses? Like what would a title of one of your courses be, for example? Um, well, definitely it's animal law in general, right? So people understand okay. like what they can do, what what the law is right now. Uh, it differs from state to state, what our federal law is when it comes to the protection of animals. And that, that is also, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, what we can do as activists. So I like to have, I like to focus on a whole like activist section, right? Because I, I consider myself an activist. And if mm -hmm. you're doing animal rights law, then you have to sort of be an activist in a way, right? Because you're speaking up for those who have no voice. And so mm -hmm. no matter what, you're, you are that activist, mm -hmm. you're activating for the animals. Oh, and, that's a good uh, and just, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. I like so, to incorporate and, all that there. And then is it a rare call or law school that offers those courses or is it starting to expand in terms of the number of law schools who, or, or even undergrads that where you might get a course in animal activism or animal rights or animal welfare? It has really exponentially grown. It's really exciting. Mm. Yeah. It's still, you know, from what I've seen considered, you know, animal, they call it animal law. Um, but, um, the, the curriculum has really grown and expanded to cover those things. I've done a lot of guest teaching courses and I, uh, mm -hmm. still being asked to do those, you know, where we mm -hmm. talk about, um, those types of cases and what people can do to really activate mm -hmm. themselves. So it's exciting. Oh, I can tell that when you talk about it, I can tell that like when you're asked to be a guest, that like guest speaker, is that like a really high spot for you? <laughs> Cause it seems like yeah. you just light up when you talk about it. 
Yeah. yeah I love it yeah. because I, I love to see that this is something that people now want to do that mm. there are students who are excited to become mm. animal rights attorneys. I mean, we need them. We don't need any more like entertainment attorneys and corporate attorneys. We need attorneys speaking up for animals and fighting for them. Fascinating. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to learn about that. And I and actually, I wonder if there is a, some type of a link I could put on here in the show notes or something that would identify which, where you can study that. Is that something, is there such a list or does it exist uh, of colleges? Um, where you, I don't have them put together, but I'm happy to um, send you something. So if people want to like ask later, I mm -hmm. can provide that to them. So. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really helpful rather than everybody going through one by one, especially if you have just a few in your head. Mm -hmm. um, well, so you're also, you're not just, you're not just an attorney. Um, you're an attorney, you're a prof well, professor, um, you're a filmmaker, and you're also founder of the and president of the nonprofit Beagle Freedom Project, which we're going to be talking about huge, huge and vast array of things that you're involved in. So um yeah, and you do, I was noticing that on the Beagle Freedom Project website, you said you use a lot to change the language and the culture of how we view and treat animals. And you do that by by using language that encourages companionship rather than ownership. Is just that one pivotal thing to move from thinking and speaking about companionship uh, rather than ownership? Is that kind of the nut of the whole thing? I'm glad you brought that up because it really is. When we change the way that we speak, it really has a lot to do with um, moving forward in a more compassionate, expansive way. So um, when I was really involved in the law, right now everything is revolves around Beagle Freedom Project and legislation. But okay. when I was um, you know, in the courtroom every day and writing briefs and trying cases, when I wrote those briefs, I made sure to incorporate writing things like companion animal instead of mm -hmm. pet, guardian mm -hmm. instead of owner. Because mm -hmm. when we change our language, we change the way that people think about mm -hmm. animals. So, you know, um, so when we talk mm -hmm. about ownership, that goes to chattel, that goes to animals being a people, piece of property, something mm -hmm. thing that people own. So that they can mm -hmm. do whatever they want to that animal. Right. Um, so, right. you know, we have to think in terms of these are our family members. These are, you know, our beloved animals who deserve rights. They are mm -hmm. sentient beings and deserve all the same rights that we have. And we have mm -hmm. to respect them as such. I Education is so important because we are raised in a certain way. And I am of a generation, I think, where animal rights were just not even, uh, shouldn't even be talked about. I mean, it's like almost a negative thing to talk about. And of course, there's my own daughter who who was born a different way. She just emerged from the womb as an animal lover. And I really had to, even though I'm very people oriented and I'm always helping people and so forth, I had to be taught for many, many years as I watched her grow up and see her not kill anything, even at 18 months, not go down a slide because there was an insect or, or ride a bike because I know I, I was actually a little worried about how she was going to make it through life, but she kind of eventually got there. But her, her 
pain when she sees, as we were talking about earlier, like just, you know, stray dogs on the street down here is, uh, you know, so palpable. And it took me a long time and I had to be educated. And I think that the, um, I don't know why it's the way it is that certain people have to be educated, but I think an entire generation, entire world needs to still be educated about just hearing it. You just have to hear it frequently and be exposed to it until you start to even get it through your thick skull that, yeah, this is a sentient being and you don't own them. You don't, not that you would abuse them, but just that you think differently. I mean, that's just, it comes down to how we think and speak. So uh, I really appreciated you saying that. And I know that of course there's a lot of legislation around that. And it reminded me a little bit around about, um, how so many people are working for the environment now and rights of nature and assigning, you know, legal rights to rainforests, rivers, mountains, um, so that we're not looking at those resources, you know, but as, as something that we all need to, to survive and how we all need to work that we're so interconnected, but I hadn't heard before, like I hadn't thought about that connection between the rights of nature as trees and rivers, but also the rights of animals. I mean, it's the same, similar movement going on at the same time, I think. We're just exactly. kind of waking up. Yeah, you, people yeah. like you are helping us wake up. <laughs> you really are. I, I mean, I appreciate it, I appreciate it. So um, I wanted to just take a minute to talk about your three films. So um, I mentioned I'm not in the country right now. And unfortunately, usually if I interview someone, I try to read what they've written and, and see if they produce something, but I haven't had access to Many of the, I don't know why, but I can't get many of the films here in this country. So um, can you, I, I know you've got three films, right? Behind the Mask, mm-hmm. Skin Trade, and um, what's, the, what's the third one? Sanctuary, yeah, which is mm-hmm. hugely important. Um, are those still films that we can watch? Or are they still yeah. available? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Behind um, the Mask was my first documentary. Um, it's kind of considered like a cult classic in terms of like, the Animal Liberation Front and the Underground, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, it's it's very inspirational if you're ready to go fight and you know smash some windows and break out some animals. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, but I'm joking. But um, it really no. like if it, <laughs> are you? But if um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, if um, you know, really, it was it was the time when um. Uh, you know, things were crazy, right? Um, I started making it in 2003 and mm. I finished filming it in 2005. And so, um, you know, uh, the word terrorist was being thrown around. Into Unbelievably the, so. Reference, yeah, to animal rights activists and environmental activists. And it was very frustrating. Um, <clears throat> I was followed. My garbage has gone through. My mother was followed. My house was surrounded. My house was raided. And it was just infuriating. Oh my, by who, who, who raided your home? By the FBI and the JTTF because I was involved in animal rights activism. And um, it, it just was absurd. And I was getting very, very angry. And I wanted to make yeah. a statement. Um, and so wow. I decided to make a movie about it, a documentary about it. Um, and, I, and I wanted to make a documentary that showed that these people who break the law to save animals are not terrorists. These are people who are freedom fighters. Um, and, you know, as Martin Luther King Jr. would say, you know, these, these people are freedom fighters. Yeah. You have to break the law in order to make change. 
And I will mm -hmm. say that freely as an attorney, as a member of the Bar Association, that, you know, sometimes that has to happen. We have never seen a movement. We've never seen movement in social change. We've never seen great things happen in our society unless laws have been broken. Mm -hmm. That has to happen well, you sometimes. Think of, yeah. Look at Rosa well, Parks. You're good Look at those things. That's what I'm thinking about Nelson Mandela. I'm mean, there's so many, so many of our heroes have spent, uh, you know, Gandhi have spent so many years in prison. Right. Um, so, and of course, Martin Luther King's another example. So, yeah. And, and I think, of course, that word terrorist was used right after, you know, 9-11. So there was this commingling of, and I was always, I mean, I wasn't an animal rights activist, but it doesn't take a genius or even a person in the movement to see that there is no connection between someone who's going to, you know, bomb the New York, you know, the Twin Towers and someone who's freeing animals from, uh, it's just, and it worked. That, that's a problem. They even right. made me feel like, wait, why are they calling them terrorism? There must be a reason. And that's right. the, that's the danger. That's the slow word. Like you said earlier, words matter so much. I know this exactly. from, I've worked in the Middle East a lot and saw who they called what. And I was just like, yeah, I'm here on the ground. Not so much what you're saying is true. Like, do you call them terrorists? Do you call them, like you said, freedom fighters? Or do it just, the words are very, can be very dangerous. Okay. Um, we're powerful. So did you do any, uh, were any, was anything in that first film um, about the, was anything filmed inside a meat packing or a meat processing plant or where animals were? Um, it w I covered the gamut being, of, of all animal exploitation. So it had mm. to do with, you know, all forms of, you know, animals and slaughterhouses, mm. you know, vivisection, okay. the exotic pet trade, everything. So. Yeah. I was one of the things that got me at, besides my daughter's years of veganism um, or vegetarianism at the time. One of the things that actually um, pushed me over the edge into not wanting to eat animals anymore was a book by eating animals, you know, by Jonathan um, yeah, for uh, safer for. And I, I saw a video or an interview that he had quite a few years ago. And he was talking about, I don't know why it really struck me that, you know, if you want to go to see how your, how potato chips are made, you can go to the factory. If you want to, like I used to work at Keebler during college, we took, I took people on tours of the factory. Of course, mm -hmm. people, beer, you know, uh, wineries, people want to show how they make their product. But he said, trying to see how your meat is made. He, he wrote all, so many companies and he said, it's easier to get a state secret than to see how your <laughs> meat is processed. So I think that's very... Very, very true. Okay. And then the second film was Skin Trade. What was that? Yes. What was that about? Skin Trade was an expose about the fur industry. So really it was a deep dive into the fur industry. Uh, there was a lot of undercover work that was done. Um, I spoke to a lot of um, fur industry individuals, fur designers, fur makers, pretending I was Were you incognito? Else. I mean, yeah. did they know what you were doing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I yeah. had a lot of access um, and it was a very, very interesting, the information that I got, um, which made for a really great documentary, um, but also very, very disturbing. Um, and yeah. so, you know, if you know anybody who wears fur, they need to see skin trade. It's a great tool that's used, you know, for, you know, at fur protests for people to give 
you know, to anybody and, you know, just as an educational resource, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, we, it covers everything from <laughs> how fur is made, uh, to the, you know, to leather, to the environmental impact mm -hmm. and all of oh, that. Um, okay. and so, um, it's also talks about faux fur and really what goes into oh. fake fur. What? Which really? You need to be careful of because huh. a lot of it is actually dog and cat fur because a certain percentage of it doesn't have to be labeled. So, um, okay. yeah, wow. yeah. The look of her just is fashionable and people shouldn't mm -hmm. be wearing it. Uh, just don't buy it because okay. you don't know what's in it. That's really, I'm really happy to learn about the faux fur. Um, okay. And then the third one is sanctuary. If you want to just yeah. give us a little. Sanctuary is that. my most recent one. It's actually a few years ago now, but we just kind of released it. Um, oh. and sanctuary is a, it's a beautiful documentary easy to watch um and not like skin trade which is a little hard to watch but um sanctuary, that was going to be one of my questions yeah sanctuary is very easy to watch um and it was uh, just like a love letter basically to to primates um but it's about mm. primates in captivity and i traveled mm. all over the world to different sanctuaries um and you you get to know a few different primates personally and their stories mm -hmm. and it's sad, um, you know, because they live in captivity and we cover their stories. Some are from the exotic pet trade, some are from vivisection, um, and, you know, some are from circuses and now they live in sanctuaries and, uh, we talk about their plight and, uh, what they've gone through and what they do go through now mm. and learn about that. So it's, um, well, it's, so it's, it's I, tough. you know, I bet. And um, just a, I had a, was it just last week or the week before my uh, podcast was on the a baboon sanctuary, which is here in Belize, but they have never been, I mean, it's only been in their natural habitat for 44 years. Just these women have been protecting these, they call uh -huh. them baboons locally, but they're black howler monkeys. And for, yeah, 44 years, they're doing it totally volunteer and it's a 20 mile sanctuary it protects wow. many animals and many plants and, and many and you know many um, many things that are on endangered species list but just yeah you it, it's nice to know that there are sanctuaries that aren't even you know made just because people had to be I, I think different animals had to be rescued like they've just always been there but they've taken the from 600 uh when they started to i think 6,000 now um so it's wow. been a very successful no, no funding. <laughs> this has been amazing. So, um, so those, those three films, where are they available on things like Netflix or, or, or how, how was one, are they all different ways that you can watch them or how would people watch those? Yeah. Um, actually I have sanctuary right now on, um, uh, unchained Jane Blaise Mitchell. Um, she's an amazing activist oh. and she's got her own channel. So you can okay. go on to unchained TV and get it there. And um, skin training behind the mask, you can just get on YouTube. <laughs> They're all okay. free. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I never even thought also, of that. Yeah, I oh, just my goodness. provide them for free. And you can also wow. you can buy them. I mean, they're really cheap. I have them on DVD on our website, you know, uh, Bio mm -hmm. Freedom Project, BFP.org. Um, but okay. I'm also happy to just send them to anybody who wants them to. So. Um, well, if you can get them on YouTube, that, that's, I mean, that 
says so much about you right there. <laughs> you're you're yeah. providing those for free. Yeah. You know, speaking, I, before we leave the film part of this, um, how I'm just, like you said, skin trade is a tough one to watch. Um, I'm one of those people who doesn't, can't watch very much of those things, but I'm wondering, um, like, how do you, how do you deal with that with people who, who can't watch, um, either because they say they can't take it, which I fall into that. I'm sorry, but I really do. Um, or because they don't want to change, you know, I'll change. I just don't want to, I just feel like I, I will be traumatized and I, I don't know. I don't feel like I need to. So I'm wondering, is that frustrating as hell for you to hear? You know, <laughs> probably. Is. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's hard when people don't want to watch or listen because they want to just keep on doing what they're doing, you know, right. um, but they still want to argue with me. You know, it's mm -hmm. like they, they want to judge my lifestyle or question what I do, um, mm -hmm. but they want to keep what they're doing. They want to keep on, you know, eating meat or living like, you know, a, a cruelty lifestyle, a life of cruelty um, mm -hmm. or what I consider a life of cruelty. But yet they won't mm -hmm. listen to anything I have to say about why what they're like doing. Facts. Might... Yeah. Like just the facts of the, of the matter. Yeah. Any, anything. Um, okay. that is really frustrating. So it's like, well, you know, you can go ahead on living your life, but don't, then don't question me. Don't make fun of me. Don't mm -hmm. confront me. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when it becomes frustrating. Like when the, when the judgment comes in, mm -hmm. I mean, we're not going to change everybody, you know, right. I mean, I, w I wish we could, um, yeah. well, but it's eventually, not yeah, well, eventually, you know, in a hundred years, I think we'll look back at these times very differently, but yeah, it's hard to there know. There will be a choice, uh, right? Because I mean, there's our environment is eroding and animals are dying. Right. There, there right. probably won't be a choice, but we'll yeah, see. well, um, well, we're all, we're all working for other things, but uh, for a better outcome. Um, but I, as far as you, when you go in and you're filming um, something really extremely painful, like how do you, how do you set your head for that? Because with someone who cares as much as you do, you care more than anybody else who's watching it probably. And yet you're the one who's going in and putting yourself in a situation. Is there some kind of a stabilizing or a strengthening mindset that you take on? How yeah. do you do it? I become an actor and I think about how I'm going to edit it. So mm. like when I go into, let's say, a laboratory undercover or something like that, um, I'm a different person, obviously. And so I put on my game face, I'm an actor. And then I just think about getting the best footage I can get and how I'm going to get it mm. so that I can change people so that I can get the best angles and everything else. And mm. it's all about, um, process, how I can get that footage. And but then you have I, to edit it The editing in the privacy of your home. That's when I cry. But going in there, I'm just stone faced. I get it. I get it. And I, I can do it pretty well. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's later when I'm processing it all that, um, the breakdown happens. Yeah. Um, and this has been how many years now that you've been doing this, would you say? Um, I don't want you to reveal your age in it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, just look at Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, 26 years. 26 years. Oh, all right. So have you developed some type of a strength 
when you're editing? Because I can't even, I don't know how, or, or when you're seeing things, have you, have you toughened in a way? Yeah, I, th- I would say so. Um, you know, there's ebbs and flows of where I go through a period where I'm strong and I can handle everything. Yeah. And then sometimes everything comes crashing down. I think yeah. it sort of depends on what's happening in my life at the moment, right? Like, if mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah, like if there's how a lot strong you're on, feeling. Yeah. 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 I know. I asked, um, do you know Michael and Tim who um, run the, um, Oh my goodness. I feel terrible. I'm not going to remember the name. I interviewed them on my second one. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dub it in because I'm having one of those moments where I don't, they've been rescuing um, dogs all over the country. They're now in uh, Tennessee. Anyway, I bet you know who they are, but um, I asked, I asked them when I interviewed them, you know, how do you, cause they, they go into the worst, worst um, homes and, and, uh, zoos and illegal zoos and all that kind of thing and rescue you know like 40 50 dogs that are in terrible conditions and i'm and i asked them sort of similar question like how do you how do you you have the the soft heart for this especially and then you how do you manage it and he said i just think about how depressed i would be if there was something I, if i couldn't do anything about it like i know they exist and i'm doing something about it and they're all going to have a better life after this and that's that's what makes me happy so yeah, there's always we all find our strategies. I'm yeah, dying yeah. that I can't remember because I know them very well. Okay, <laughs> hopefully they won't. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Beagle Freedom Project because that this is your. So the, is this taking the full, the full um, ownership of your life at the, for the last few years? Oh yeah. Well, let's talk. Yeah, I'm sure it's all encompassing. Yeah. Um. Is that a beagle that we hear uh, well, that barking? Great, that's my great Dane. Oh, I don't have sounds a like a little. Sounds a little. Loud. I was going to ask you if you had a beagle. Well, okay, let's go to let's go to the uh, beginning of it because I, honestly, when I heard Beagle Freedom Project the very first time, my understanding was different. I'm thinking it's all like I didn't understand the scope of it, so yeah. it it kind of doesn't give the, the impression of fully what it is because i know it's a major major undertaking and you're all over the yeah. world so let's start with the beginning how you, how you got started with big freedom project or how you started it sure um so <laughs> sorry should I just it's let, okay I'm, I'm just gonna we're dog friendly <laughs> come on maya i know you're upset come on okay come on gracie okay Um, so I did, I, I had a nonprofit that I'd started, um, when I started making my films called army animal rescue media and education, which was really to produce the documentary films and mm-hmm. do a little rescue on the side of, you know, animals in local shelters and things like that. And, um, uh, eventually I got a call down the road from somebody who knew somebody in uh, don't worry Um, no i really i mean unless it becomes too oppressive (laughs) we'll keep going Um, okay Uh, i got a call from somebody who knew someone who worked in um in a laboratory in northern california Mm. uh, they were um, closing for the holidays and they were going to kill the beagles there 
and then just buy new ones when they came back in the new oh year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And this was all kind of like new to me, like, wait, what? Um, and um, there was somebody who worked there who was just sort of like begging to release them instead of kill them. And she had convinced the hires up that to, to release them and was trying to find homes. Can you and, just say why they wouldn't? Because I know this is still going on. Why? What's the purpose in not giving them for home, you know, putting them in homes? Or giving uh, them for well, shelter? I found out later. Um, mm. And literally they said to me, we don't want people to know we test on dogs. Oh. Even though we weren't saying the name of the facility, they don't want the in people to know that the industry tests on dogs. Okay. So we blew this industry up because people like were unaware that mm -hmm. testing went on with dogs and cats, yeah. just like the ones with whom we share our lives. Um, and so when we started pulling animals, you know, when we started rescuing them from this facility, this was the very beginning. Our first three major rescues were from this one facility. Um, we were getting a lot of media. It was local media in the San Francisco, you know, Bay Area. Um, mm -hmm. But we never said the name of the place. They wigged out. Um, and they called me and they were and they said that they were going to stop releasing. And um and I like had a heart attack. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we don't like this media. And I said, well, we've never yeah. said the name of the place. I don't understand it. They yeah. said, we don't want anyone knowing dogs are being tested on. So we're what were they testing for? What was the, or can you say even now, can you say what they were doing? I mean, so I don't know the exactly. Product was? They, they never told oh, us exactly. Oh, um, I know okay. that it was pharmaceuticals and toxins mm. and things like that. Oh, um, nice. So, um, yeah, we, ne we never knew exactly what they were testing for. Um, so I was devastated um, and I thought, oh, my God, like I just killed all these dogs. They're not going to release them anymore. Um, oh, well, you thought you took the responsibility because you'd been putting it in the media yeah because yeah i see which was oh. the whole point to educate not right. the whole point but yeah. part of the point to educate the world this is going on we need to stop this and they said we're stopping releasing them which means we're going to kill them yeah so they were so but oh fast forward like a year later we get an email from this woman and it turns out they're still releasing Oh. Do you want to be on the podcast? Do you want to be on it? Come, come here, <laughs> come here, Maya, come here. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> come, come here, come here, come here, come here, Maya, come here, Maya. Let's see, come here, come here, come, come here, come here. Okay, she's being shy. Okay, um, we're shy. We'll see. Yeah. Eventually, we'll see her. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it turned out they were still releasing, um, but they lied to me. So um, that just kind of shows how. Wow, that's, that's that's cruel. How, and that's just unusually cruel that they would do that too. Right. I mean, these are people who torture animals. So of course I was relieved, but yeah, how disgusting yeah. that was of them. And you went but, through a year yeah. of thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our first rescue, our first rescue of two beagles. And then um, 
uh, we sort of blew up after that. I mean, we got these two Googles and it, it did rock my world. Because in my head, I thought, oh, they're going to be so happy. You know, they're going to run out of their uh-huh. crates and they're going to just be so excited. But they weren't. They were scared to death. It took them 20 minutes to take their first steps out of their crate. They had never been outside. They'd never seen the outside world. They were panting, salivating. Um, it's like nothing I'd ever seen. And I thought I kind of knew everything about vivisection. And, you know, I thought I have to do something about this and make this my life's goal to end this. And that's when Beagle Freedom Project was born. Um, those first two, how did, did they finally come out onto the grass? And I mean, did they warm up to uh, you guys, to whoever was there eventually? Yeah, so the first Beagle, Bigsby, he finally, after like 20 minutes, he took his first step on the grass, a very ginger step, and lifted his paw and put it back down. And then mm-hmm. he walked over to Freedom's crate. We named him Freedom. Um, and he touched his nose. And then Freedom came out of his crate. Um, oh. And then they sort of walked around. They were wobbly because they didn't have a lot of muscle tone. Oh. Did they know each other before they that day? Had they been together in the... Oh, yeah. So they, they were, were just... in the lab, but they didn't... They might have smelled yeah. each other, but... Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And then they just started walking around and then they started running and uh, they were oh. very, very happy. They started doing zoomies and stuff like that. So, so within um, an hour, they were acting relatively dog-ish. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Resilience. Yeah. yeah. So, so then you just said, that's it. We're, we're focusing on stopping animal testing or beagles or like what was your what was your initial thinking when you started the beagle freedom project what was the goal um, well i called it beagle Fre- beagle freedom project because beagles are the number one breed of dog used in testing um mm-hmm. but my goal was never just rescue beagles of course all mm-hmm. breeds of dogs are used and all animals are, they? are used mm-hmm but oh. since beagles are like the well-known breed used and the most common breed, I wanted to call it Beagle Freedom Project as sort of like mm-hmm. a recognition. Um, mm-hmm. But since we've started, we've rescued <laughs> um, all kinds of breeds of dogs, cats, mm. pigs, horses, goats, sheep, alpaca, rabbits, oh ferrets, guinea pigs, you name it, all from animal testing. So there is no end to what the industry will do and who they will test on. Wow. I did not know all this. So I'm kind of trying to process this unemotionally at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a lot. I mean, I even mean, horses. Because yeah. people seem to have, and, and I don't count myself among them, but I know that just the way that society has kind of geared us that people say, okay, well, you know, mice, okay, we don't like mice that much. Rats, okay, we don't like rats that much. You know, like there seems to be a pecking order um, that 
people will be okay with until there's some, maybe it's a rabbit or, you know, it just, as it gets closer to a pet, but um, obviously any kind of animal. But then of course, people I'm sure always say to you, I'm totally Satan making this up, but it just seems like they have to say yes, but people are more important. So we need to have everything tested so that it's okay for us. So how do you, how do you talk to people about that? You know, maybe it's a cancer cure or, a, you know, eye replacement therapy or whatever. You know, there's so many things that they do test for that mm-hmm. could be argued they help people ultimately. And- right. Well, luckily, things just recently changed, which I'll talk about in a second. But okay. before this great thing that just happened, um, you know, my argument has always been, let's just say somebody, cancer is a big one. People like to bring mm-hmm. up cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my response is that, um, sure, uh, you know, cancers probably affected all of us, you know, all of mm-hmm. my family, yeah. um, and it's close to me and I don't want to be insensitive about it. Um, however, um, there's still no cure, right? So, um, <laughs> If you look at it that way, (laughs) you look at all the decades of testing and the billions of dollars spent, including our own taxpayer dollars. Um, And if you actually do the research and you look at the NIH funded studies done on animals, um, a lot of them are repetitive studies over and over and over again, just to collect data. Mm so that Mm. universities and other places can get grant money. It's very frustrating. The problem is that people like to say those things, but they haven't done their research. And I realize, yeah, it's a lot of research to do and they're not going to do it. But if you actually do do your research, you're going to see that um, these studies aren't like necessarily real. Um, So what recently happened, which is amazing, is the passage of, the FDA Modernization Act that passed in December. And yeah, it's so amazing. And so it's what we've all been saying as animal rights activists. The FDA said that? Well, well, I mean, they, Basically, that's what the, the new bills, the new law says. Is the law says the pharmaceutical companies can choose to test or not test for new drugs. They don't have to test on animals anymore. That's just upsetting as it is good news. That's just like that. Just like just that. Like that. Just like so, that. so it doesn't say don't test. It just says you can choose to test or not choose to test, but you'll still Precisely. get FDA approval with that. Precisely. And it, but is it okay? Do they explain why do they say it's because I know, you know, I saw different people speaking about like Cory Booker, who's already an animal, you know, activist, but um, saying that there have developed recently, um, I guess recently, uh, alternative methods of testing that, that make it no longer necessary, but it's just odd that there's a day when all of a sudden that's not the case. You know, I don't know. Oh, I'm with you. We've had a lot of these alternatives for a very long time. Have we? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So, huh. So has there been, I mean, can you see any difference? Uh, 
this was last December that passed the House and Senate and became federal law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're in May. Have, have you seen any change in the world of animal testing since then? Like all of a sudden there's a yet. lot of animals I mean, to be rescued? Yeah, not yet. I don't know that we see it quite yet. Um, there's a lot of work still to be done in terms of that bill and, you know, educating people on things like that. Um, I mean, we have had quite a few rescues since then. I'm wondering if it does have to do with that, but I kind of think I don't think so. Um, but it is good. It gives me leverage to approach these private companies. Yes. Say, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, that's next on the agenda is why are you still doing this? You have a choice. Well, and, and of course, we'll know the bad actors. So. Is I, I know one of the things that I, uh, I listened to a few different conversations about it after I saw it passed. And um, I know that cost, startup cost to, to replace what they've been doing animal testing for all these years. And now they've got, they're going to do some computer testing or some different technique. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's how I'm wondering if there's a phase out period that they're going to, well, of course there is just naturally because there's nothing that says you can't do it. So they can do continue doing it as long as they want. So, right. well, okay. But okay. it's all, yeah, kind of an interesting and complicated issue. So it's no yeah. longer quote unnecessary evil though, which is what I think was the term that so many different people said. Um, That's a so, lot what a lot of people at, um, in laboratories would say to me, a lot of people who would head up like the release it, like people who would t- try to get the animals out would yeah. say like, we hate this, but it's a necessary evil. So, I mean, that was definitely a, a thought that I would have had, you know, 10, 20 years ago for sure myself. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I understand that we've been taught that we've been taught a lot of things. Um, but what confuses me now is this Beagle Freedom Bill, um, which mm-hmm. has only passed, I think, in 13 states. That's probably not going to be a federal law. That I don't understand, right? It's a, it, it just requires companies to give these, just what you were talking about with that very first company, to, to, to take the animals after they've been spent, so to speak, and put them up for adoption as opposed to killing them. Why on earth, now that this onus is off them to do, you know, is that is it the same thing? They still don't want people to know that they're doing animal testing? Like, why would, why would, uh, 37 states still need to have laws that say put them up for adoption rather than killing them or do you know the answer to that yeah because there's still, did. i mean there i mean the reason that we started that signature legislation is because they're still killing them we had to we have to force them to release them or they're going to kill them because they do not want to release them it is practically impossible to get these animals out of labs People have no idea how hard it is. Um, we have hmm. to rely on whistleblowers. We have to rely on, um, it's hard to get these animals out of labs. Let's, let me just put it that way. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. the reason why we went to this. It, it, I, it is a very welfare, very soft law. I, I agree. Sure. It's not ending animals. I, I get all of that, but we have to force them to get to release these animals because they won't otherwise. Period. Oh, I think it's a very important law because the ramifications of it are much more than maybe it looks on the surface. You know, it's because it makes them think it makes everyone think about why is this even happening? So 
Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it just seems like a critical law. And I think, I mean, we're still going to need it through, even though the FDA modernization act is passed. Yes. Yes. They, they're still not going to release them. I yeah. promise you. Yeah. It's very, very, very upsetting. Yeah. Um, oh, animal, animal freedom. Oh my gosh. Animal Rescue Corps. That's the name of Michael and Tim's oh, dog. Animal, Re animal oh, okay. Rescue Corps. Yeah, I know. Animal just Rescue decided Corps. to yeah. pop into my head. because The yeah. reason it did pop in my head, I think, is because I talked to them about Invero. In was that how you pronounce it? Invigo. Which, oh, Invigo. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? What happened? Because I don't think most people watching this anyway would know about what that is. I never knew yeah. there was a USDA, you know, I never knew any of what was going on there so yeah so um one of our uh regulatory agencies is called the usda and the usda is supposed to go in and check on laboratories and make sure that laboratories are doing the right thing that mm -hmm. um, you know the animals animal testing there. laboratories you mean animal testing laboratories yeah okay and that animal or breeding facilities or breeders i mean they they regulate all of these places oh. um and make sure that um the animals are being cared for that they're following all the laws that all the protocols are being followed all of that usda doesn't do their job period so what was happening was that in vigo um is this huge breeding one of in Vigo's locations in Cumberland, Virginia. Uh, mm -hmm. They had about 4,000 beagles, um, is, was a very large breeding facility, and they did some testing there. Um, and the USDA had gone there based on some whistleblower complaints because they hadn't gone there like they were supposed to, and they found horrible things, terrible conditions. Uh, this is public record. You can look it up. You can see um, mm. the videos they uploaded of these puppies dead in corners. I mean, just awful stuff. They kept going back and giving Indigo chances. Correct this problem. Correct that problem. Every time they went back, it was worse. Wow. Why they didn't shut down Indigo and actually give these people like citations and actually get these people arrested for animal felony abuses i have no idea why but what happened was is when we found out about it it was like a public campaign against Indigo. we were involved in other animal organizations were involved in a public pressure campaign against Indigo. and it took us to get involved and then it took mm. politicians to get involved to actually shut down Indigo. and that finally happened and Indigo got shut down and then those 4,000 beagles got dispersed amongst us and other animal uh, rescue groups to be placed. But Invigo still has other locations. Invigo is owned by Initive, and there are still other locations people Who's don't Initiative? know about. Initive is a company that owns Invigo now. And I mean, but what do they what do they make, or do you know? It's an animal testing pharmaceutical industry uh, company. Uh. Um, I N O T I V, and they have various okay. other companies they own in other locations with Eagles um, hmm. that people need to know about because it's not over just because Invigo in Cumberland, Virginia is over. It's all over the place. Have those 4,000 Beagles been rehomed 
or homed, I guess not rehomed. Have they been adopted? Or? That's a lot of dogs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that the ones that we got are great home. I don't know about yeah. all of them. So we, I, mean, I knew that Animal Rescue Corps, I know, did a number, hundreds of them. So that's, I think, hundreds. So that's how I first heard about it. And I know those, they had all made it to homes. But 4,000 is a lot yeah. of dogs to, to find. And especially that yeah, I mean, they've been traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Um, but yeah, the ones we got are in great homes. In fact, Megan and Harry adopted one of them. And... Oh, I heard that. Yeah. How did, uh, did that happen? Harry and Megan adopting, they already yeah. did that. Okay. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> they weren't one of the Invigo pups necessarily, were they, or were they? Yes, they, they adopted. Oh, they were Invigo. specifically? Oh, wow. Okay. They that's adopted beautiful. an Invigo mommy from us. So, oh, that's so nice. So did that, has that sort of risen, um, raised awareness, I should say, for your adopting or or for your organization because you know yeah when it they happened, bring with yeah. them a lot of yeah it was all over the media it was crazy yeah yeah, yeah. and and did it raised some awareness of your organization would you say or or do you think it did i think so i mean yeah. like in, in a with a positive effect hopefully <laughs> i hope so uh, i don't know it was definitely yeah. it, at least it raised awareness for um, the right reasons, you know, in terms of like adopting right. an older dog, because, yeah. you know, what's so great about Harry and Megan is that they didn't want the puppies. They wanted mm -hmm. the older mom, the breeder mom. And really that was wonderful. the whole point was getting that message out there that I you know, see. people should be adopting, you know, the ones that nobody else wants. And, yeah. um, and that was the message. And I, I think yeah. that the media made that clear. Well, certainly the best dog I've ever had was an adopted 10 year old i mean literally the uh, far and above the one who stole my heart had him for six years and it was like wonderful so Aww. yeah it's i would really encourage people to do that because they just they just are lovers from the beginning you know they walk in and they're happy yeah at least mine was um so there's a couple quick things i wanted to make sure that we focus on and one of them is um how you educate and um because I, I love your mission is it was it uh, maybe you should say it three words educate right? legislate liberate yeah i love that mission and i love the mission video that you have too and i would really encourage people to go watch it because it's just the right touch of emotion and clarity mm -hmm. and it was like watching a documentary in itself it's really mm -hmm. it's wonderful you, you did an incredible job with that video but um so i loved it but on your website you have two things i want to talk about one of which is the classroom the um bfp in the classroom that yeah. anyone i think can, can you talk about that anyone can mm -hmm. virtually bring you in to learn teach the kids yeah yeah i'm glad you brought that up it's really exciting yeah. anyone anywhere and in, in belize any country mm -hmm. we've done countries we've ah. done india we've done all over the world you can sign up you know have um teachers you know anybody sign up you can go onto our website bfp in the classroom and just pick a date sign up for it and um you know sign up for your classroom of all ages we do it virtually over zoom or whatever's easiest yeah and we give a little classroom talk about, you know, who we are, what, what Beagle Freedom Project is, and the importance of having respect for animals. And just depending on the age mm, group, you know, we cater yeah. that way to 
and being kind to animals, what being cruelty free means. Um, really? Yeah. All of those so it's, a, it's live. I mean, it's you speaking. It's not a, Oh, I thought it was a recorded course or something. So it's no. actually you going into the classroom. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so much more powerful. Yeah. We answer questions from the kids. We have, we usually have um, one of our beagles with us on our lap to show a rescued beagle. We show the tattoo in their ear. We talk about where they came from and what happens mm. to them the importance of rescuing instead of purchasing an animal, all those things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, oh, then, I love that. Then we send them after the class. We'll, we'll mail them some cool stuff, like little, little kids' wristbands and some mm -hmm. informational material and stuff. And um, we've had some great outcomes. I mean, we get some great stuff back from the kids. In fact, one of our classes um, in Oregon after they were so inspired, they actually reached out to their senator and they started the Beagle Freedom Law in Oregon by themselves. And it passed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is a win. Talk about a cause and effect. You educate, you inspire, you inspire. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So that is definitely something I want to get out to people to take advantage of. I'm out in a how many, uh, how many you can do physically, but you know, I guess you'll do as many I don't, as you can. I don't do them myself, but I mean, we, it's mm -hmm. all of our staff rotate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely gonna, yeah. the, I, there's a school two blocks from here that I'm going to go marching over yeah. to. So that'd be great. <laughs> I can't oh, wait. That would be Cause wonderful. they speak English in Belize. So, you know, that not Perfect. all countries, I'm sure it's harder because I know you guys are very active around the world. You're in the UK yeah. now, and uh, mm -hmm. I know you've been in Latin America, the Middle East. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's massive. Yeah, your impact is so, so, so broad, and that's very exciting. And well, the other, the other piece, in addition to the classroom I want to talk about, was it's a cruelty cutter app, which I was thrilled to download and start using. Um, can you talk about that? It's so easy, and it's just like a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. for, yeah, I love our app. I love our cruelty cutter oh, app. You should. I everybody to use it. Yeah, yeah. We're actually right in the middle of a huge upgrade. So, like, I know it's not okay. working on some people's like newer phones or something, but um, it we have I think like four months to go, and it's going to be like massively even better and upgraded. Just so people listening. Okay. Know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's awesome. So. Um, it's a free app, and um, all you do is you scan the barcode on any item, and it tells you instantly if it's cruelty-free or not. So it's really easy mm -hmm. to go shopping, you're at the market, um, yep. and uh, and you can share your results. You can easily share your results on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email people. I call it Activism 101 because a lot of people ask me, like, Oh, there's so much I want to do, but like, I don't have time to volunteer. I can't foster. I yep. don't have money to donate. And I'm like, here's well, 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you go shopping, right? They're like, yeah. I'm like, here's what you do. Use the app. Yeah. Use the app. Um, so the app is great. Um, and what I want people to know about the app is that it's also your activism tool. So please, if you scan an item and it tests on animals, hit that boycott button um, and hit the bite back. Um, because we Hit get the a bunch of, um, there's a boycott button and then there's uh -huh. just click, just click, click that. And yeah. if you want to click the bite back, 
You can also share the results, which tags the company. Um, ah. Yeah. So we get the results on the back end and we're waiting for BFP. We are waiting for enough data so we can buy like a couple shares in those cool, cool companies and say to them, hey, you know, you lost a million dollars in revenue just from our users alone using the app. Mm. It's time to stop testing on animals. Yeah, you are a force to, to be reckoned with. We need people to hit the boycott button, though, or we don't get the data. Okay. I'm glad you really stressed that. Um, yeah. I don't think I got that far. I was just doing it with some of my products around here that were already in here when I moved in and a lot of cleaning products. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just like they were all. But what I really am excited to do is you take take it into a, a, like an, a makeup store, like a Sephora or a yes. Ulta or something like that. Because I have long, you know, again, from Jesse, my daughter, I, I've long not, you know, but very, very careful about, especially any kind of hair body type products, you know, to make sure that they weren't animal tested, but, but the knowledge level in stores is not good, you know, and there's, yeah. and there's a lot of misinformation. I won't name names about what stores yet because it's, but, um, but I'm, you can say, Oh no, you're wrong. I mean, you can just take that app into the store and say, cause people would say, yeah, well, cause what often happens is they say, well, they don't animal test, but they're not, <clears throat> excuse me. They're not, they don't have the stamp of, uh, you know, that it costs right, so much money to, to be, to get the bunny that shows that you are. So that, how does that work? So if I, what if somebody doesn't have the funds to get that certification, is there a way that your app can tell, or is it mostly just testing to see if they've been certified? No, we know no matter what. So they don't have to have oh. money or anything on there. Um, oh. We independently verify every single okay. product. <laughs> so once you scan it, we our, our app verifies it no matter what, um, whether there's a... Okay, a that's huge. That changes everything for me because that's what they rely on. And I know it's not accurate, but okay, that, that's really helpful. Yeah. Well, we're, we're kind of at the end of our hour. And one of the last questions I wanted to ask you is what kind of advice you would give to somebody who wants to get involved in animal advocacy or have a positive impact um, against animal testing or any kind of animal welfare issues. And I love the app and the education. Is there anything yeah. else that you would advise? Like it's been, you've been in it quite a while now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say there's so many things to do um, that it can be kind of like, where do I start? You know, because there's so many yeah. forms of animal right. cruelty, unfortunately. Um, I would say start with um, the topic that touches you the most, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether it be, you know, animals in the food industry, animals used for entertainment, mm -hmm. animals, you know, in vivisection, mm -hmm. I really focus on that one thing and mm -hmm. think about, you know, what your particular craft is, whether you're great at, you know, videotaping, photography, mm -hmm. um, writing, street activism, speaking. writing, exactly. Yeah. yeah, any of those things and focus on those things. Um, and then maybe reach out to an organization who's already working on those things and ask if mm -hmm. you can volunteer, get involved, get a job yep. with them. Um, I think that's a great way to start and then get, yeah. get your foot in the door that way. Okay. That's very good advice. I, 
Uh, I can attest to the fact that volunteering is a great way to learn whether you want to be in something or not. And, and it connects you with so many different people. And so it's a fantastic way to do it. And, um, well, I can't thank you enough. This has actually been very, very instructive to me because a lot of times I know a lot about the thing before I, I go on with the person, but um, I haven't known as much about this particular area. So um, I can tell you that just for me, this has really been educational and yeah. inspiring. And um, Shannon, I just really appreciate everything that you're doing for the world, for yeah. animals. <laughs> it's, thank it's, you so much. You are epitome of someone how we change the world so that that's how you do it <laughs> so thank you um oh, thank i'll put you. all the links i'll put all the links for the for the um for the app and for the education and obviously just for the website um on the show notes so if anybody's interested in learning more or helping out then they can go check that out so thank awesome. you keep thank going you. Thank, thank you so you. much for what Thanks you for do doing the show and thank you for what you do okay. and putting, putting all this out there for people i really appreciate it yeah. good thank you all right take care bye-bye